The following message was recorded at Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. More information can be found online at Bethlehem.Church. Good morning, Bethlehem. It's a joy to be with you today. I invite you to take your Bibles and turn to Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 5 will be in verses 12 through 16. God's word says, Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats. That as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were all healed. Join me as I pray. Oh Lord, as we read these words about the signs and wonders that you performed by the hands of the apostles, we pray for strength to comprehend the height and depth and breadth and length of your power and love for us in Christ. Lord, would you do a fresh work among us as we gather to receive food from your word. Encourage and strengthen us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as we begin, let me tell you about a time when I didn't pay attention to the signs and I ended up in the wrong state. When I was a college student, I regularly drove about 800 miles from the Chicago suburbs down to my hometown of Norman, Oklahoma. The route was pretty straightforward. I-355 to I-55 to I-44 finally, after hundreds of miles, get the Tulsa Turnpike uh, down to I-35 and cruise for home. Didn't have a GPS or a smartphone in those days, but I was armed with some Rand McNally maps and had plenty of highway signs to show me the way through the great states of Illinois and Missouri and Oklahoma. But on one of those road trips, I got distracted, and I inadvertently took a wrong turn, and I didn't realize my mistake until I started seeing signs for Little Rock, well into Arkansas. I failed to heed the familiar signs, and I ended up in the wrong state. Now in Acts 5 today, There's nothing about driving here. 
but we read about a different kind of signs. Miraculous signs and wonders that God did through the apostles in Jerusalem. What's the purpose of these miraculous signs? How do they relate to the message about Jesus and the mission that Jesus gave his people? That's the focus of this sermon. We're continuing our series through the book of Acts, the church on the move. And we've seen that the risen Lord gave instructions to his apostles before he ascended into heaven. We've seen that he poured out his spirit on the day of Pentecost. We, We saw thousands gathered to respond to Peter's sermon and be baptized and added to the church. We, we saw Peter walking to the prayer meeting and heal somebody in Jesus' name, a lame man who went walking and leaping and praising God. We saw their boldness as they were threatened and harassed by the authorities. We saw their generosity sharing their possessions with each other as they devoted themselves to prayer and the apostles' teaching. We've seen the the problems that faced the early church, even having some church members struck dead for lying to the Holy Spirit. And that brings us now to our passage where we focus on the public ministry of the apostles in Jerusalem as the Lord is performing signs and wonders. And multitudes are gathering as they seek to carry out the mission that Jesus gave them. In Acts 4.33, it said, With great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. And I think that great grace and great power is on display in our passage today. We're we're seeing that uh, they perform miracles, that multitudes gather and they carry out the mission in Jerusalem and beyond. That's the outline for today. Miracles, multitude, and the mission. The big idea of our passage is that these miracles show forth the Messiah's saving power and advance the mission that Jesus gave his church. So let's consider first the miracles in verse 12. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. What are these signs and wonders I think we could say that wonders amaze us and signs signify something just by by nature of the terms. Signs point to something beyond themselves. So if you want a delicious spicy chicken sandwich, you don't stop at the Chick-fil-A sign by the side of the road. You keep driving to the restaurant, right? In the same way, these signs that the apostles perform point somewhere. They point to the great Savior that they're preaching about. 
throughout the Bible, signs are deeds that display divine glory and call for a response. God commanded Moses to perform many signs before Pharaoh and all the people in Egypt. Yet Pharaoh refused to respond correctly. He refused to heed God's word of warning. The Lord saved Israel from Egypt with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. And then the people failed to trust God in spite of all the many signs that he performed. In the Gospels, we see Jesus performing many signs. He heals the sick. He casts out demons. He raises the dead. He feeds the masses. He walks on the water. He calms the storm. He even turns water into wine. Jesus' signs show forth his divine glory. And yet, God's word says that though the people saw so many signs, most of them did not believe in him. Once, after Jesus had cast out demons and and fed 5,000 with a few loaves and fish, his opponents said, show us a sign. We want to see a sign. And then the masses that had just had a great meal lined up for more handouts. They missed the point of the signs. And Jesus said, you've seen these signs, but, but the point is, not about bread and fish. The point is that I am the bread of life, the one who will save you from your sins and satisfy your souls forever. Moving beyond the bread, pointing to the bread of life. That's, that's the point of these signs. They, they show forth the Savior. Jesus went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him, Peter says. And his disciples are, sh- are doing much the same thing. They're, they're doing the same sorts of signs in Jesus' name to show that he is powerful, that his word is true. That, that there is forgiveness of sins found in his name alone. This pairing of signs and wonders occurs in various parts of the Bible, but it occurs nine times in the book of Acts. And that's instructive for us. It first occurs in chapter 2, where the prophet Joel has, has prophesied that, that God would do wonders in the heavens and signs on the earth as he poured out his spirit on all flesh. We read about Jesus attested by God with many wonders and signs. His apostles are performing many signs and wonders in his name. Stephen is full of grace and power, doing great wonders and signs among the people. Paul and Barnabas are going to speak boldly for the Lord and do signs and wonders among them. These signs aren't just for entertainment value to impress a crowd. They aren't human stunts 
but works of God that are meant to stun us and show forth God's might. These miracles authenticate the message about Jesus and further the church's mission by showcasing that he is great and glorious. That he is alive and at work in this world through his people. Notice that these, these signs are done by the hands of the apostles. There's, there's a reference to a personal touch here. Now in our passage, we also read about the, the shadow of Peter falling on people. But typically, you, you would see somebody, somebody touching blind eyes or deaf ears or, or grabbing somebody by the hand and pulling them up to walk and leap and praise God. We even read in, uh, later in Acts uh, of Peter grabbing a dead woman's hand and raising her to life. So the hands show the personal touch of Jesus through his people to those in need. But it also reminds us of the apostles' prayer back in chapter 4. That they asked the Lord to stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders in Jesus' name. These signs and wonders occur by the hands of the apostles, but the word by shows that they are the instrument or means, but not the source of the healing power. That is the hand of the Almighty God at work through his people. Signs showcase the saving power of Jesus, and they also show that he has poured out his spirit in the last days. This is a day of salvation, and these signs show what time it is. Consider the words of the prophet Isaiah, who said, Be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance. He will come and save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened. Then the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. Then the lame man shall leap like a deer. The tongue of the mute shall sing for joy. These are the very miracles that God does in the Gospels and in the book of Acts to show what time it is. The time when God would come and save his people through the Messiah Jesus. These signs of healing are like a two-minute trailer that previews a much-anticipated movie. It's like the first juicy tomatoes from the garden that whet our appetite for the coming harvest. There is a day coming when we will no longer need painkillers or crutches or emergency rooms. Sickness, suffering, and death have an expiration date. God is making all things new. And we await new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And some days that feels so far away. It feels impossible. And yet that's what God's word says. And these these signs are previews of those coming attractions. 
They're, they're like, like light bursting through dark clouds, piercing through to say, the clouds won't last forever. The sun is risen and is shining on us. These apostles' miracles confirm their message that there is salvation in Jesus' name alone. And they show us that a day is coming when Jesus will make everything new again. So we've considered these miracles that the apostles are doing. Now let's see the response of the multitudes who are coming to them. This is highlighting the public ministry of the apostles. After after we've seen several examples of their life together in community, praying, fellowship, devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, and so forth. This is the, the outreach of the early church in Jerusalem and beyond. Notice their location in verse 12. You might wonder, why, why is this detail here? They were all together in Solomon's portico. This is a large public gathering space on the east side of the Jerusalem temple. And the early church gathered there for prayer, according to chapter 3. Jesus taught there, according to the Gospel of John. This is a big space that the thousands of new believers could gather to hear from the apostles and pray. And they weren't alone there. There were lots of people coming and going who were checking out what was going on with this new community. These onlookers were amazed by the apostles' signs, but according to verse 13, none of them dared to join them. Why? Well, I think that uh, if we look back two verses, we see that great fear had come upon the church and on all who had heard these things. God had just struck Ananias and Sapphira dead for lying to the Holy Spirit. And that news had been made known. And so there was apprehension here. There is power of God at work. The, the Lord knows the, the thoughts of my heart. I'm a little nervous here. But they move from fear to faith in verse 14, which says, more than ever, believers were added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women. That same word, multitudes, shows up in the the Greek text of verse 16, which could be translated, in addition, a multitude came together from the town surrounding Jerusalem. There are lots of people here. And they're not just coming, they're being added to the Lord. They're, they're trusting in Jesus. And they're also bringing the sick people and the afflicted to be healed in Jesus' name. It's, it's the same thing that the crowd does in Mark 6 when they come to Jesus bringing the sick on cots to find healing by the Savior. Now, these signs and wonders don't replace the priority of preaching and teaching, 
but they confirm that what the apostles are teaching is true. That there is power in the name of Jesus. These miracles showed that God was at work in the midst of this people. They didn't simply entertain or impress the multitudes. They showed Jesus' power so that they would be moved to respond with faith and worship. So we've considered the miracles that the apostles performed in verse 12, the multitudes that were coming to them in verses 13 and 14. Now let's, let's see how these miracles relate to the mission that God gave his people. We see a clue there in verse 14. More than ever, believers were added to the Lord. This is one of the kind of progress reports on the mission of the church that we read throughout the book of Acts, uh, where the word is bearing fruit, that, that the church is being strengthened, that believers are being added to the Lord. We see the first such report in chapter 2. On the day of Pentecost, there were added that day about 3,000 souls. And then again in chapter 2, the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Or in chapter 11, a great many people were added to the Lord. We see that the Lord Jesus is building his church by showing his power and saving people from their sins. And verse 16 says that this included people from the towns around Jerusalem. It wasn't just limited to the city. The word is spreading to the countryside. We see in the book of Acts that the word starts in Jerusalem, but it doesn't stay there. And by the end, the Apostle Paul is going to be proclaiming the good news about Jesus in the heart of the Gentile world in the city of Rome with expectation that the word's going to continue from there to the ends of the earth. So we see a clue that the word is on the move as Jesus is building his church. These reports of success do not gloss over the troubles that the early church faced. Just a few verses later, we will read about the apostles who healed the sick and powerfully preached in Jesus' name, being arrested, imprisoned, beat up, threatened. We're going to see Stephen, who performed great signs and wonders, be stoned to death. Oh, there was trouble, but there is also uh, evidence that the Lord is on the move through his people. And so, we've seen that these signs and wonders show forth the Savior's power and spread the message about Christ. How might God call us to respond to a passage like this? I think the two responses that have been impressed on my heart as I've prepared for 
this morning are, are to wonder more and to long for more of God's love and power among us. First, wonder more. Earlier, I shared a story about how I failed to see the signs and ended up badly missing my intended destination. And I think we often fail to pay attention to God and overlook signs of his glory and grace on display if only we had eyes to see. It takes a lot to amaze us, doesn't it? Now, we, we are amazed when we read about Alex Honnold free-climbing the 900-meter rock face El Capitan without ropes. That's crazy. It stretches our imagination. It, we're, we're, we're amazed when Usain Bolt runs the 100-meter dash in 9.58 seconds. We'd still be tying our shoes. You know? We marvel at the grace and skill of Simone Biles on the balance beam or the high bar. To these athletic achievements, we can marvel that a heart surgeon can repair a tiny tear in a patient's aorta or that engineers can design a two nanometer microchip with 50 billion transistors. But does the God of the universe impress and amaze us? Is our wonder meter calibrated only to what people can do? Are we awed that God spoke solar systems and sea creatures into existence and that he sustains the universe by his word? Are we amazed that the creator God took on flesh to save his people from their sins? Do we pay attention when God answers our prayers? Do we see it when he responds? Or do we get distracted and miss opportunities to worship and praise him? These signs and wonders that the apostles performed were pointers to the great and glorious Savior. And they call for a response of worship and adoration. These signs and wonders are meant to give healing and hope to desperate and downcast people, people like us. And I pray that this passage would renew our wonder in our great and glorious God, that we might worship him in a renewed way. As we calibrate and recalibrate our wonder meters to be stunned by our great God, I pray that we will long for more of his stunning power and soul-satisfying presence in our lives and in our life together as a people. This year we're celebrating 150 years of God's faithfulness to this church. And we have ample opportunity to look back and thank God for past graces. Don't we? Many global partners that this church has sent out 
Some are in this room right now. Many churches have been planted over the past decades. Many ministries have been started. I can recall many times over the last 16 years when God has met me in one of these pews. As Pastor Jason, Pastor Kenny, Pastor John opened the Word of God to us and spoke it in a way that touched my heart. I can think of powerful baptism testimonies that we have heard over the years. How Jesus Christ came to save sinners like us. I can think of many occasions when God has answered our prayers in remarkable ways. Pastor Chuck testified earlier in the service to how God healed him. As we gathered for prayer and the Lord did that. Freedom from prostate cancer. Looking back, just thinking about the, the many prayers that we've prayed in the secret place or as a, a community. And, and how God has healed people from a brain tumor. From serious burns. From hearing problems such that didn't need hearing aids anymore. Because we prayed and the Lord responded. The Lord has given us prophetic dreams for encouragement and direction. The Lord has delivered young people in this church from demonic oppression. The Lord has provided visas for global partners going to countries where they don't give out visas to Westerners wanting to spread the love of Jesus. The Lord has reconciled broken relationships. The Lord has freed people from addictions, from from secret sins that had a grip on their hearts. The Lord has done these things and more. And to these examples, we could also add many times when we prayed and the Lord didn't bring healing in this life. Most of the funerals that we hold in this church, we've, we've prayed for those people to be healed. And the Lord has waited to heal them until he saw them face to face. It reminds us that God does all things well on his timetable. And it, it reminds us that even as he is on the move among us, there is still more to come. We still groan with all creation for the final redemption that is coming in the resurrection. Acts does not give us a triumphalistic picture of the Christian life. Prayers are not a, a, a sort of magic trick if only you have the right words, then God instantly does exactly what you want. That's not how it works. But the Lord does hear our prayer and respond in his wisdom. And as we read about the signs and wonders that God did through the apostles to heal the sick and save sinners and add multitudes to the church, 
doesn't it make you long for a fresh and renewed work among us today? That we might experience afresh God's grace and power and presence and love. Perhaps some of you are thinking, it's been years since I've really been captivated by Christ. Since I prayed with expectation for God to heal somebody in Jesus' name or to save my friends or coworkers. Maybe you've never felt that. Maybe your Bible has grown a bit dusty and your prayers have grown stale and you wonder sometimes whether God really is all wise and good and powerful. You might wonder, as the psalmist does, if God's steadfast love has ceased, if he has forgotten you. Friends, remember who God is and what he has done and promised to do. And with the words of Psalm 77, we can appeal to the years of the right hand of the Most High and remember the deeds of the Lord, his wonders of old. We can ponder all of his works and meditate on his mighty deeds and say, your way, O God, is holy. What God is like our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have made known your might among the peoples and among us as Bethlehem Baptist Church for 150 years. And oh Lord, would you do it again? Would you hear our prayers and move in power afresh? The English preacher Martin Lloyd-Jones once said that when God acts, he can do more in a minute than man with his organizing can do in 50 years. Let us realize this tremendous possibility and plead to God to make known his power and manifest his glory in our day as well. So, Bethlehem, lift up your eyes in wonder at our great God and Savior and pray with expectation for more of his great grace and great power that we might magnify our great God together with one voice. Let's pray. Oh Lord, would you stretch out your hand afresh? Would you grant us to speak your word with boldness? Would you reassure us of your good and precious promises would you revive our hearts that we might trust you more and worship you truly? Take your word and impress it on our hearts, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bethlehem Baptist Church in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others. But please do not charge for these copies or alter their content in any way without written permission from Bethlehem Baptist Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us online at Bethlehem.Church or write us at 720-13th Avenue South, Minneapolis, Minnesota, 
5-5-4-1-5. Bethlehem Baptist Church, spreading a passion for the supremacy of God in all things, for the joy of all peoples, through Jesus Christ.